I want to just read a little bit of the Christmas story again that we read earlier. And it is Luke 2, verses 3 through 7. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Have you ever noticed how first-time parents can be a little over the top and a little nervous about their babies. Have you ever noticed that? Well, when I was uh, a boy, there was a, a pretty famous movie called uh, excuse, uh, there was a pretty famous movie called the, the Boy in the Plastic Bubble. It starred none other than John Travolta, you know, Saturday Night Fever, and uh, John Travolta played the part of this uh, young man whose immune system didn't work, and so he had to stay in his room his whole life, and then finally they made this kind of spacesuit for him. That's why I call it the plastic bubble. He could go out and go to school, but he had to wear this, this space suit because if he, you know, he got out into the, the ordinary air and all the germs, it, it, it might could kill him. You'll have to watch the movie to see what happens to the boy in the plastic bubble. I, I only mention that because uh, you might could have called our firstborn, our first daughter, the girl in the plastic bubble. The way uh, we were very protective of her. I mean, everything, you know, just had to be antibacterial for precious. And I remember one day... She dropped her pacifier out of her mouth, and I learned that day what you do when you're a first-time parent when your child's pacifier lands on the floor. You go to the sink, and you put water in a boiler, and you boil the water. <laughs> then you put the pacifier in the boiled water, and you sterilize the pacifier. Then you put it on the counter on a napkin. And you cool it, then you put it back in Precious's mouth. Now, I remember about that same time taking our daughter to a state park and, and meeting up with another couple friend, uh, someone that Gina had grown up with, and the, the husband and I had gotten to be good friends. And they uh, went on to have six boys. So they knew a lot about parenting. You know, we deeply admire anyone who can raise more than two. That's how many we have. But uh, they were on, I don't remember which child they were on, but we were definitely there with our first child. And, and um, so we were just right there in the kind of the, the, the picnic table site. You know, you could have a picnic. And that little baby boy of theirs spit his pacifier out. On the ground. Now, when I say on the ground, I don't mean on the floor of a well-tended home. I mean on the, the ground, the stranger-trodden, cigarette-butt, 
laden, state park, dirty, filthy ground. And Gina and I were just kind of undone by the pacifier hitting that type of ground. No boil water, no replacement pacifier, no emergency pacifier, just dealing with it right there in the grime of the state park. And uh, do you know what that young mother did? That young mother who had more children than we did, she leaned over. It was just as if it was no problem. She leaned over and she picked up this pacifier just filled with, gr- with ground on it. And uh, she stuck it in her mouth, sucked the dirt off, spit the dirt out, and put the pacifier back in the mouth of that child. Gina and I were in shock. I mean, we were in shock. So you might ask the question, what in the world does that story have to do with with our passage and with the Christmas story? Well, uh, the Christmas passage that I just read has some common elements with the story that I just told you. Only the story that we read from Luke's gospel is much, much dirtier and much more shocking. And I fear we lose a little bit of the shock sometimes because of the familiarity that we have with the story. Um, This is the point. The Savior who was sent to save dirty sinners in a dirty fallen world was born in a dirty barn. Let me just say it. The, the Savior who came from heaven, who was sent to, see, to, to save dirty sinners in a dirty, fallen world, was born in a dirty barn. This is what I'm calling heaven in a barn. And we're probably so used to it, that kind of just flows right over us. So let's do a word association game, okay? I'm going to say a word, and then I'll come up with what the first thing I think. Okay, the word is cow. Okay, I got birthing sweet. Okay, let's try another one. All right, the word is goat. Let's see. Childbearing sweet. Did y'all come up with that? Okay, okay, let's, let's, let's do this another way, all right? All right, I'd like for the children here to help me out with this. I would like for you to t- help me understand what a cow sounds like. Could you do that? Okay, very good. All right. All right, stop. <laughs> because we need to know what a lamb sounds like. Okay, very good. Now, let me just make the point. I cannot re- I can't recall hearing any of those sounds in the women's hospital birthing suite that both of our children were born in. I don't recall any of the smells associated with those sounds. Uh, in fact, it was not only clean, it was antibacterial and even pleasingly decorated where our girls was born, were born. And we learn in our passage that Joseph, you know, the, the humble Aladdin lunchbox carrying working guy, carpenter, takes his bride who is about to give birth And he travels from where he lives, which is up in Galilee, kind of up north in in Israel. And he he travels 90 miles down to his hometown, at least 
down to, the, to his home place to register his name, to register his wife's name with his family of origin for the purpose of being tracked by the Romans for taxation. And we learn in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a tax that the entire Roman world would, would be taxed. And, and uh, you know, I just, I just love it when God uses emperors like little puppets to accomplish His will, because don't you understand, this is exactly how the prophecy was fulfilled that the Messiah would not be born in Nazareth. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and it is only because of Caesar Augustus and his decree that Joseph the carpenter has to load up his wife on a donkey or some kind of, of beast and travel 90 miles. Now, some of y'all may be going to your home place tomorrow, somewhere in Mississippi, and 90 miles, you think, that's a long way, that's more than an hour. Can you imagine 90 miles ready to give birth? This is an amazing story here. And it must have been an arduous journey for Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and we, we do know that this little town of Bethlehem evidently swelled with people that were also going to register because, as we, you can help me say, you can help me finish the sentence, there was no room in the inn. Now, I, a little aside, just, just, I'm just going to tell you, I like the innkeeper. Everybody's like down on the innkeeper. You know? No, there's no room. The innkeeper's great. There's no room. And whoever this person is took pity on this poor pregnant woman who had just gone 90 miles and said, you know, there's no room, but I do have a place for you that you can stay if you want to. And um, the barn is to become the birthing suite of the Son of God. That's what we read here in the Christmas story. As one New Testament scholar comments, these were very crude, non-hygienic conditions. That's an elegant way of saying it was a filthy place that smelled that way. That he took his beloved to have their first child in that place. Look, I know babies are born in taxicabs. At least I've heard about it. I know babies are born in elevators. I know babies are born in airplanes. And I know babies are born in all kinds of... But, but not, not the King of Kings. Not the Lord of Lords, right? Wrong. No, it's a whole lot worse than a taxi cab. And this is the good news. By the will of the throne of heaven itself... The most regal birth that has ever taken place took place in a barn because Jesus was sent from heaven for the redemption of sinners. Jesus came to people who could not rise to God the holy. Jesus came to people who were helpless in their sin. And Jesus came to 
people of all kinds, didn't he? He wasn't born in a really nice birthing suite. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in, 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 a, in a religious um, place of, of worship. No, he was born in a dirty barn. He became one of us. He, in fact, he became a part of the family of one of the poorest, most common, most gritty of us. And so the king is born. And I, we read here in Luke chapter 2 that it came time for her to, to have her child. And she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. And she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And so the king of kings is laid not in a pretty little bassinet, but in a manger. Y'all know what that is, right? I mean, we just like, we have these little manger scenes. It's just so, y'all, that's a feeding trough. That's like your dog bowl, but for, but for big animals. The king of kings wasn't laid in a bassinet. He was laid in a feeding trough. The son of God wasn't wrapped in fine fabric, we read. He was wrapped in, in what's called swaddling cloths. And the very word for, for swaddling cloths means to rend or to tear. You see, the Son of God didn't have a blankie. He had rags. He just had strips of old cloth torn and, and, and fashioned in such a way to, to bind him in, to, to keep him warm and secure. This is how the King of Kings comes to earth? This is an amazing story. Heaven in a barn reminds us that Jesus came from the pristine, perfect, glorious throne of heaven to something like a tragically hopeless and helpless, dirty slum of a place. And just now, I'm not talking about the manger. I'm talking about my heart. And your heart. And this is amazing. You know, I'm the, I'm the sinner that put Jesus on the cross, you know. And so are you. And so are you. It is precisely because we are sinners. And helpless and hopeless. Without God's saving action. Through the mighty work of grace by sending His Son is precisely because we are sinners that Jesus came into the world. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when, listen to this, when we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Did you catch that? That's me. That's you. When we were just at the right time, when we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. Two verses later, we read this. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So heaven and a barn shows us something of the amazing depth of, in Christ's reason for entering the world in Bethlehem for dirty sinners like you and me, in a dirty place, and it all just fits. And the condescension is unthinkable. It's amazing. Grace is what it is. So marvel at these words. And while they were there, 
is the Son of God. This is like the Messiah. Tomorrow we're going to talk about unwrapping the gift and Simeon and what he saw. You've got to come back tomorrow. It's going to be wonderful as we just unwrap the gift after you guys have unwrapped your presents. But marvel at these words tonight. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is condescending love. And in his poverty, as he gave everything, we become rich in him. And through his saving action by coming into the world, we, dirty sinners, become the very temple of God who dwells within us. Because of his sacrifice, we who are helpless, hopeless, and broken become whole. So I want to do one more little exercise. And then we'll close and then we'll go enjoy time with people we love and keep celebrating the incarnation, the enfleshing of God himself. One more little exercise. You know, there are, there are scary and hard and hurtful and yucky things that we have to deal with in a fallen world and in our sinful and selfish hearts. This is just the facts of what it is like. And sometimes we just slouch and stew in those things, wondering if we will ever be able to rise again. So here's the exercise. I want you to think for a moment of the worst thing that's ever happened to you. Worst thing that's ever happened to you. If that doesn't work for you, I want you to think of the worst thing you've ever done. I want you to think of the most hurtful thing you've ever said. I want you to think of the worst things that you think about. I want you to think of the primary thing that is difficult and, and a struggle for you right now. You got that? And let me encourage you with this, okay? Just there. Just there. Don't move off of that. Just there, we can tap into the reality of the grace of Jesus presented to us in this passage. Just there, if you will follow your pain to the manger, just there, you will see the depths of Christ's condescending love for you. Just there, in the manger, you will remember that that is the reason, that thing that you are thinking of now, that is the very reason He came to earth. To forgive that and restore that and heal that and make whole that. So come close through this passage and see Messiah in a manger. Heaven in a barn 
come close and see total, total grace and mercy incarnate without limits. Not even your limits. Come close and see Him there and rejoice that you don't have to live this life alone. That you don't have to deal with these things just on your own. That God Himself left heaven and came here for you. I just close with these words. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us Adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him because He's Christ, Messiah, the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for heaven in a barn, for God become man, for God to the rescue, for salvation to the helpless and the hopeless. Lord, forgive us for becoming callous to these things. Forgive us for thinking we do not need forgiveness when we know even in the ordinary aspects of our lives with people we need forgiveness. Oh Lord, thank You for the beauty of this baby Christ the Lord, born, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and laid in a manger. Oh Lord, we pray that you would give us not only a sense of wonder, of grace, but a sense of joy in procuring that grace. You never put your trust in Jesus. You'd like to know Him. It's just by faith. It's just by asking. Just pray with me. Lord, I see it. You came to do what I can't do for myself. And I want to turn from everything I've called religion and irreligion, everything I've called Christianity, and I want to put my trust, Jesus, in You, the Son of God, the Savior, who has come to die for me. Thank You that You died on the cross and defeated sin, my sin. Thank You that You rose from the dead to give us new life in You. Thank You that even now, as I've prayed, You've forgiven me. Even now, you're in my life. And Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for many years. God, we pray that the joy of Christmas would would just catch us right here and that we would be able to bring our hearts and our pains, our longings and, and all these things to you. And would you, Jesus, be our Savior and the lover of our souls. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for Bethlehem. In Jesus' name, amen.